Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. And I can't get it out of my head. Cause I won't use discretion when I'm talking about obsession. Cause this is what makes me me. And I'm glad that I called ya. I'm talking about nostalgia. And this is where I wanna be. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. you're listening to another episode of the gimme podcast with your host and resident horse girl kathleen tomorrow uh, i'm very excited to have on this week's guest she is i think she's maybe one of the first people i met doing comedy in boston maybe honestly probably yeah probably right and uh she has a fantastic platform for I guess you would say like female and female identifying voices online that you can, uh, that you can find her and lots of other people at it's uh, lady spike media. We have on the very funny Caitlin Arcand. Yay. Well, hi Caitlin. How's it going? Good. Oh my God. I just remembered when we started comedy. That was like, a I'm lot. trying to think like the first time we met, it must've been at like some improv Boston thing. I'm pretty sure we started around the same time. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. And then you came on Dirty Water Late Night, like, a few times, I think. Yeah, and then I somehow became, like, in charge of Dirty Water Late Night. Yeah, then you and Corey, like, went and did your Dirty Water, and now RIP, like, Dirty Water Late Night's yeah. not even there anymore. It's for the better. um how are you doing in quarantine I mean like your quarantine is especially bad because you have like fires over in LA literally horrendous (laughs) like I'm not even gonna lie like you walk outside and it's yellow outside and it just smells like smoke all the time like it's kind of depressing like you just like people have been telling me that like there was a day recently where it basically just rained ash I didn't do that here but I 100% believe that. Yeah, we started getting effects from it too. Like you walk outside in Boston and there's like a hazy sun and I'm like, this is the California fires. That's insane. Like the the world's literally on fire. I was just on with someone from Connecticut and she was saying that they like saw smoke or like it was like hazy there. I'm like, that's literally insane. Yeah. So I can't imagine that the whole reason you moved out there, I mean, like comedy has to be at a standstill out there too. Yeah. Comedy is not great right now. Um, I have been getting back into production. Um, I was on a set for the first time in a while this weekend. Um, So that was good producing a short film uh, with a lot of great people. So that was good to like actually be with people again Yeah, uh, and be around like creative people. Um, because for the most part, it's just been virtual shows, which I'm sort of scared of. I've done a few. I've done the studio and stuff. But yeah, uh, they're not all, like, those shows were great. But, like, not all virtual shows are great. So I've been, like, kind of weary of them. Yeah, they're, like, hit or miss. I mean, like, it is what it is. It's, like, what you make of it, I guess. <laughs> uh, but the whole reason I have you on today is to talk about your childhood obsession. And when I originally messaged you, you were like, well, I had a few. Uh, there was One Direction, which we're definitely going to talk about. And then I think you also said, like, bacon, kara- <laughs> karate, right? Bacon, karate. Yes, I'm a black belt in karate. Wait, are you really a black belt in <laughs> karate? 
Yes, that's serious. Yes. When did you get your black belt? Uh, I was the youngest on the test at 13 years old. And do you like keep up with this at all? No. So funny story. Um, I, on my black belt test, I literally could not breathe. And the like army drill sergeant coach guy was like screaming at me the whole time, like calling me fat, like whatever, telling me I'm out of shape nonsense and then it turns out i literally had a breathing issue and needed surgery no (laughs) so i got my black belt had the surgery but was like traumatized and never went back i did start to do mma and stuff like that after like a different i know i know you're 13 and you're doing mma i like beating people up (laughs) i've never even seen you get in like a street fight because I don't but I I like I don't know I just like but I wanted to do a different type of karate so I was like okay I'm gonna do mixed martial arts but at that time I had started to get more into acting um and performing and I didn't want bruises all over my body yeah and I think at that age like you kind of have to decide what you're gonna put like your time into yeah and it was more like i don't want my teeth being knocked out in like black eyes and then being like showing up to an audition like here i am jazz hands <laughs> yeah 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 i totally get that so let's talk about the one direction thing first oh so oh. how did you get into one direction like did somebody introduce you to it or did you find it on your own God, I'm so glad that I'm at the other end of this where I can laugh about this now and like look back on this because Absolutely. when I was in it, it was, it was so insane. Like looking back at it, I'm like, what the hell was I doing? So it first came about um, with the What Makes You Beautiful video, which was like their first song. Yeah. Um, and I, it had been going around and people were like obsessed with them. And I was like, I don't know who these guys are, like whatever. So I didn't really pay attention to them at all. And then one day we were at my grandparents' house. It was me and my cousin. And this is back when there was like a channel, like we're like a music channel that just played music videos. It was like music choice or something. Yeah. Um, on like Funkus or whatever. And that video came on. And for some reason, just like in that moment, I was like, hold up. <laughs> they're spicy. Like I was like, oh, they're like these guys are hot and me and my cousin like from that moment we just like were obsessed with them and we just like watched that video on repeat for the rest of that night and from there it just was like a snowball effect watching all of their videos on youtube stalking their entire x-factor journey um staying up for live streets at 3 a.m that was a very low point oh staying up for li- oh because like they're over in the so uk in the uk So they would do these like surprise live streams where they would suddenly tweet like, hey, I'm online and then get online. But like me and my cousin, we did not want to miss those because one night we were like one morning we woke up and realized that like Niall had done a live stream in the middle of the night and we missed it. And we were like so devastated that we missed this live stream. So then we just started like not sleeping and we turned all of their Twitter's like notifications on. So I would get a text every time one of them tweeted. Oh just no. Just so I wouldn't miss these live streams. So you'd be like, I just picture you dead asleep. And then like 2 a.m. rolls around and Harry Styles tweets going on a live stream. And you would like wake up out of bed and just be like, I got to watch it. Yes. Yes. My cousin slept at my house for an entire summer so that we wouldn't miss a live stream. 
how old you must have been because were they big when you were in high school i it was um i want to say it started in like eighth grade okay i want to say i want to say it was like eighth grade when this began and then ran until i was like a senior in high school <laughs> i mean if you're still a fan it's fine caitlin i okay honestly i'm like broken out of the hysteria obviously they're still hot and <laughs> cool and whatever absolutely I'm not stalking tweets and I don't have an Instagram meme account anymore for them so what was like the most stalkery thing that you did right okay so <laughs> this this story is so cringy I actually tweeted this uh on their like anniversary thing which was like a few months ago or whatever and everyone was tweeting everyone was tweeting one direction stories so obviously i went to five one direction concerts okay all disgustingly expensive yeah um, and we used to show up but like we weren't the only ones like there were like thousands of girls you show up to the venue 10 hours early like you show up in the morning for a concert that's night at night and just like camp out thinking that somehow they're gonna appear or like one time they had a concert in mohegan sun so we just like stayed at mohegan sun <laughs> just like lurked around the building thinking they were gonna like come but the where where this got bad so if that wasn't bad already, was we were leaving the Mohegan Sun concert. And obviously, like, our parents drove us there. So my dad was driving us to leave the concert. And One Direction's tour bus was in front of us. Ooh. And I literally started bawling and screaming out the window. Like, me and my cousin just full out the window, just screaming and screaming and screaming. And all of a sudden, the bus, like, stopped and swerved and almost hit my dad's car. Jesus. And my dad, my dad like pulled off and my dad was like pissed. He was like, who's driving that car? Like, why, why can't they drive or whatever? And I <laughs> literally looked at my dad and I was like, dad, why didn't you hit them? I was pissed that my dad did not hit the bus. Oh, because you wanted him to like. I could get hit by the bus because yeah. I just had a vision of being resuscitated on the side of the road by Harry Styles. Oh my God. It was so bad. And like for the rest of the night, me and my cousin were like going after my dad. Like, why didn't you hit the bus? I mean, I get it. If I, if Chris Evans, if I knew what kind of car he had, I'm getting a fender bender with that man. It's a good week for you and Chris Evans. Do you understand how many people have texted me this week congratulating me, telling me that this is the best news of my life because Chris Evans accidentally leaked a nude? More people that than have ever been proud of me for doing comedy, I can tell you that much. Is it the best week of your life, Kathleen? Are you feeling it? I mean, it was the high point of my week. <laughs> and then I saw the news and I was like, this is not good news. No. Well, I'm happy you got something out of this week. <laughs> yeah, 2020 will be the year that I saw Chris Evans's junk. <laughs> On Reddit. Great. I, I would have loved to see your car in a fender bender with one direction and you like crying and harry styles being like it's okay like your car's gonna get fixed and you're like no i'm just so excited to meet you what if it like on the news and everything but the thinking back it's like we didn't even know that they were in that specific like fans going for they have like a ton of touring vehicles like it's not just one like, yeah we didn't even know that they specifically were in that <laughs> tour bus so were you a fan of like one person in the band in particular? Yes, Niall Horan. 
Really? Interesting. Guy. Irish. I started watching Premier League soccer for him. Um, <laughs> I, I'd like sort of been into it before because um, my brother and I used to like watch soccer a lot, but I, I pretended to get really into it so I could tweet about it and so that maybe he'd see my tweet. Yeah, that's classic that's like a classic thing women do to try to like get dudes that's fine it wasn't even an attainable dude like i literally in my mind thought that somehow niall horde was going to see me a girl from massachusetts have a hot take and be like this is the girl i'm gonna marry uh well i mean anything could happen never know so you said you've been to five concerts for one direction have you had any particularly bad concert experiences? I'm trying, just like, I don't know. People at those concerts were so insane. Like, so insane. And just like, especially the concerts where you were on the floor, like people just pushing like yeah. you up against shit. And like, I don't know, there would always be like some girl crying and then girls would get like weirdly competitive. <laughs> like, be like, well, I'm wearing this shirt, so he's going to see me first. And like, I love that. I've seen a bunch of memes recently of, it was more like Jonas Brothers geared, but I think I saw a yeah. few that were One Direction that were like, you know, um, Joe Jonas's wife. And then it's like me thinking that I'm going to catch Joe Jonas as a boyfriend at the concert. And it's like a girl in like Bermuda shorts yep. and like a t-shirt with a tank top on, over it. I know the exact meme you're talking about. And I literally, so for every concert that we went to, my cousin and I had custom t-shirts made by my dad. Because my dad was a t-shirt. He used to make us custom-made shirts with like One Direction quotes. So like every concert, we had a different shirt we wore. And we used to get like compliments on the shirts and stuff. People would be like, oh, where'd you get those? And we'd be like, oh, they're exclusive. <laughs> oh man, what was the last, what was the last concert you went to to see them? So the last concert was, it was at, not the, um, no, it was at Gillette, Gillette Stadium. Okay. Gillette Stadium was, I was trying to think which Boston venue it was, but it was Gillette, Gillette Stadium. Um, and that was actually at the end of my One Direction reign. So that like capped off your interest. So what happened was that happened at that time I was 18. <laughs> so a lot of time had gone on. Um, and I had paid like $700 or something for those tickets. $700 for a ticket? Yeah. So what would happen was people, they used to put the tickets on sale and then scalpers would get all of them. So then you could only buy them through like third party sites. Yeah. So the tickets would be like amped up. Like I think the lowest I paid for a One Direction ticket was like $400. Jeez. Yeah. It, disgusting and now thinking back I'm like oh my god I gotta put about so much stuff um but that so that concert actually so I was 18 I was it was a summer after I graduated high school and I started working at Guitar Center where I met my boyfriend who's now still my boyfriend yeah uh, in the other room probably listening to the story so I met him and he's a musician coincidentally um and like we were kind of talking and I remember I was at the concert that night and he was like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm at a concert. And now my boyfriend's like a metal musician. Like yeah. he's into like heavy metal, like obviously not One Direction. And I was like, oh, I'm at a One Direction 
concert. Like, I didn't want to tell him. And he was like, he was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't peg you as a person that would be into One Direction. Mm -hmm. For some reason there, it just like stopped. Like, I think it was because I was like young and desperate with One Direction that I just like wanted to date one of these people and I really thought I was going to. Well, and then you found somebody. And when I actually had a boyfriend, I was like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. (laughs) I mean, do you still have any uh, One Direction jams that you listen to to like pump up or anything? I do, actually. (laughs) I (laughs) sometimes when I'm drinking, I play One Direction. And there was one night I held it like real close to my face and just like laid on the bed, like going. (laughs) That sounds so depressing. No, I was like living. I was like fully like reliving my childhood uh, or my teenage years, not even childhood. Um, But yeah, well, obviously, I still listen to like Harry Styles. He's He's got his jams and him and Niall are still trucking along doing their thing. Yeah, but the other ones have kind of just like fizzled out, right? Yeah. I mean, they all had like, Louis had like one song, but he is a kid now. I think he's just doing like the father thing. And like Liam Payne also did like one song and then he had a, he also had a baby. And so I think he's just doing like the relaxed father thing. And then Zane, well, Zane left the band, so screw Oh, Zane. yeah, Zane can go. Yeah. I never fully understood why he left the band. Like, it just seemed like there was beef. Yeah, he was weird. So, actually, at the same time that I became obsessed with Direction, well, One Direction, he was dating a girl, well, like, a singer named Perry Edwards, who was in yeah. the band Little Mix. And to this day, I love Little Mix. Little Mix is highly underrated. They're the best girl band ever. They're mm. so good. They're so good. Um, for some reason they didn't take off in the U.S. and I don't know why, but I met Little Mix twice and like, it like. Coincidentally? Or were they at like a One Direction thing? One time they pulled up in a cupcake truck in on Newberry Street in Boston and we're like, hey guys, come here. Yeah. That's so wild. They literally just pulled up on the side of the street and we're like, guys, come to our truck. (laughs) I was like, mom, get in the car. We're going to Newberry Street. But I met, uh, and this other time was at the Natick Mall. Oh, I, you know what? This sounds really bad. But when I was in high school and I was a fan of Twilight because I was a big fan, there was one day that the cast of Twilight was going to the Natick Mall. And it was like Peter Facinelli who played the father. And I think the girl that played Alice. And I was like, gonna, like, not go to school that day but i was too much of a goody two shoes yeah and i missed it i'm devastated but they had a few of those i'm not surprised that they came to the natick mall yeah so in both times i met them i met perry and it was like oh my god you're like zayn malik's girlfriend no he was her boyfriend she is way better than him (laughs) i i would just it's so interesting to me that they started all on the x factor too and they got like placed together yeah it's very yeah it's very similar to how like the backstreet boys were almost formed and i think kind of like and little mix was the same way oh they were on the x factor too yeah, they were Factor also formed on oh, shit i should pay more attention to the <laughs> x factor apparently oh man i can't believe like it's so funny because in like talking to you and meeting you like over the last few years i didn't realize I think maybe I knew you had some One Direction jokes, but I didn't realize how much of a, like, fan you were as when you were younger. Yeah, I don't have any One Direction jokes because I just don't want people to I thought you had a One Direction joke 
Maybe you like dropped Maybe it. Maybe early on. Yeah. Maybe, because it's definitely not a joke I tell anymore, but I probably did have one early on because I started comedy when I was 18. So yeah. well, fresh in the mind. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't try to talk about it now because obviously it's ridiculous. I mean, do you still have merch from One Direction? You obviously have the shirts your dad made, right? Oh, I have an entire box. It's like in a storage unit at my parents because my parents moved out of like our childhood homes. So they have um, a box of merch in that. Like, I mean, I'm going to keep it because it might be worth like, a lot of money today, but literally everything that they could have possibly sold. Limited edition magazines, like magazines that I had shipped from the UK, magazines wow. I had shipped from Asia. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah, I literally had things like sent to me from other countries. And were your parents on board with you being like super into One Direction? Yeah, I mean, they didn't, they weren't like looking down. I think they just thought I was like having fun, but they also thought it, obviously they didn't like when I like was up at 3 a.m. screaming because someone was on a live stream. Sure. But did they ever like chaperone you at a concert or anything? No, they never went to a concert. It was okay. just me and my cousin usually just went because we were, we were like, you were old enough. Yeah, like we were old enough to be there. Yeah. Oh man, I I think I like miss that boy band phase. Are they even a boy band? I guess they're technically a boy band. Yeah, I would say they're a boy band. Yeah. You didn't. You weren't obsessed in sync. I liked in sync when I was a like young young child, so that should have been an inkling that. I was into in sync, but like I was listening to like Broadway tunes as a kid. <laughs> Say. <laughs> yeah, literally, like the majority of the songs I were listening to was just like of Broadway plays I had never seen that I knew so many lyrics what to. What's your favorite? Oh man, I was obsessed with New York, New York. <laughs> Classic. Um, I had a West Side Story tape that I didn't really listen to that much. I just had this like mix that had all these random songs on it, and oh god. There must have been like Annie Get Your Gun. Um, <laughs> there was a Fiddler on the Roof. I loved Wait, Fiddler. The oldies. Oklahoma. Like it was a mix of all these old ass Broadway plays. <laughs> yeah, that. And then the Book of Mormon when I got older. That was like, oh. oh I, I literally just watched a legal Book of Mormon on YouTube like two nights ago. So, so good. It's probably like it's one so of the good. best that I've... I saw it in London and it was like, well, it was actually, so that's the first time I had seen it live on stage. And it was also hilarious to watch it in another country. Oh, yeah. Because like, they're all like, Americans, oh my God, they're out of control. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw Book of Mormon right after I had had a Mormon roommate. Oh my God. So it like hit even closer to home. And I was, and the first, one of the characters is like. Elder Price. Elder Price. And her last name was Price. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) It was like all about it. Oh my God. (laughs) But when did you, okay. So you were obsessed with One Direction, but I feel like the thing that I know you more for that you've always kind of done is like the acting and the theater stuff. When did you get into that stuff? Yeah. So I got into that. um, So I could have gotten into it in fifth grade, but what happened (laughs) was they did a school audition uh, in elementary school for guys and dolls. And like, that is like the cool thing. 
like if you're in the musical like that's like the shit like everybody yeah. wants to be in the musical yeah so i showed up at auditions and i was like i'm gonna be a star i'm gonna be adelaide i'm gonna be the lead of this show and i showed up and they did the acting and the dance and whatever and then they brought us into like a separate room and we're like okay now this is the singing audition and i raised my hand and i was like do we have to sing alone and they were like yeah and i was like okay and i got up and walked out <laughs> just walked out and like darted across the stage in front of everyone because the room was like off the stage so i like walked out darted across the stage went to my mom cried and we left <laughs> so i totally like bombed that audition obviously and the next day when they posted the cast list i was still pissed that i didn't make it <laughs> Were you just, like, nervous? Oh, I was terrified. I didn't sing in front of anybody uh, until I was alone, until I was 16. Oh, wow. So, okay, so you didn't get cast in Guys and Dolls, like, at all? No, I didn't. But the next year was Annie, and I was coming back with a vengeance. I was like, I am going to make it into this show. So I came, and I was singing. Well, let me, let me correct myself. I hadn't sung in front of like my family or anyone like important to me, I guess. Sure. Until I was like 16 and I was in a show where I was like the lead and had like a lot of songs. So I had to, but I was like, I sung, you're never fully dressed without a smile. And I sang it, I sang my heart out and I got cast as orphan number seven. And I did that thing. Oh, <laughs> I did that thing. And then, um, so then I was like, I think it was like 11 or 12. And then I, obviously, it just went on from there. Yeah. And what's the worst play you've done? Or like the worst like acting gig you've had to do? <laughs> okay. Well, it's either Footloose that I did twice in a row because I fucking hate Footloose. And I did it twice in a row, like back to back. And it was two different theaters. Um, to this day, I can't listen to it. I hate that show with a burning passion. Is it just like the theme of the show or like the like the music or what is it? I think it's just, I don't even know. It's like the music, I guess. And like the characters, I just, I don't know. I just hated that show. I hated it. And like, I was like the star of my high school. And that was like my breakthrough performance. But I love then how you I, call it your breakthrough performance. That was like my breakthrough moment. But then I did it and I was in the ensemble second time around at another theater because people were a lot older than me. Um, and I don't know. I just, I think doing back to back like ruined it for me. And well, then, yeah, that's a lot of footloose music. Like that's too much footloose. Way too, too much, much. Too much. The second was a show I did for the New York um, International Fringe Festival. Okay. Um, that I was, that was like, I think we ran for like two months, I want to say, in New York. And that was just horrible, horrendous. Was it because of the length of time or was it the show? Oh, the show was terrible. And it was like, the people that direct, they're not going to listen to this. They blocked me on Facebook. They blocked the whole cast on Facebook after. Jeez. So basically what happened was this couple, horrendous couple, um, they decided to write, direct, produce, and star in their own thing, which you can't do. You can't. You can't Not when you're direct. like low level. You can't write and be in a thing, but you can't direct yourself. Like that doesn't work. And it That's clearly did. 
but they thought this show was like great and like all of us that were in the show were honestly more experienced performers than these two people and we just wanted to do it for the like experience of being in new york french sure uh, because it's like a cool festival to be a part of and stuff so that's why we all did it but <laughs> these people thought they were like the greatest and they treated the rest of us like shit and the after like the second night of our performance a review came out and we were all like dying to see this review we were like oh my god this is gonna be terrible and the review shit all over this couple like telling them that they were horrible and all this and it, but it said that the ensemble of the show is great <laughs> oh we my god like, that's gotta be like a burn for them oh my god they must have, they like did not talk to us for the rest of the run they literally like were pissed over. We were like, it's not our fault. Like we didn't pay this reviewer to say that. That's rough. And they're a married couple. So then they're like going home and having to deal with that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And they, why'd they block all of you guys? Just cause you- I don't know. They just like blocked us all on Facebook after the show. It was so weird. And like none of us have heard from them since. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they just wanted to like erase the whole experience and pretend like it didn't happen, but they're probably out there producing other bad shows. Yeah, honestly, they're probably still doing theater and whatever, but yeah, probably not New York French. (laughs) Have you seen any like not performances that you've been in, but have you seen any especially bad theater performances where you were like, why did I pay money to see this? Of course, Kathleen, you've seen community theater. (laughs) Oh my God, community theater is rough. It is very rough. I feel like an asshole saying that because I have been in community theater for a long time and there's really good community theater out there. Like there are some really, really good shows and really hardworking companies. Um, Like that's not saying like community theater equals bad. That's not at all, but there's uh, seen some productions. I've seen some high school productions. I actually... One of my first like writing jobs, I was a theater critic for um, on stage blog, and so oh. I wrote in review shows. Oh no! And then yeah. you're the person that's doing that. Yeah, and honestly, that like really ruined theater for me um, because I feel like now I now it's like a lot of years have passed, so I feel like I've kind of broken out of it. But I went through this period where I literally could not watch a show without trying to find what was wrong with it. Like, I even if that. I was just there, even if yeah. I was just there, like, not even reviewing it. Yeah. I've seen some bad theater. I've seen shows where we've left in the middle. Like, I've been to shows where my family was like, we're leaving. Oh, I've, oh, I've definitely left in the middle of shows before. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, there's a theme to this today. I was, in, I took classes at the Concord Youth Theater, which Chris Evans's mother ran. Stop. Did you do that? I mean, he wasn't really famous then, probably. That was before his first movie, but I did, I had to learn how to do a headstand to be in Charlie Brown. Like, I was <laughs> method. You were really doing that. You were method. I was a method actor at a young age. But I get what you mean. I mean, like, I think youth theaters, they have to kind of cast whoever, like, auditions, and sometimes you're not necessarily given like the best people and they have like low budgets i mean i i it's i understand yeah there's there's been some like elementary school productions a little mermaid that will haunt me forever oh my god i can't even imagine (laughs) 
I mean, you were traveling back and forth to New York for a while. So you've probably yeah. seen a few like real Broadway shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And are there any that besides Book of Mormon that stand out to you as like your favorites? I mean, Book of Mormon hands down was my favorite thing I've ever seen. Like the whole experience is great. The theater in London, Prince of Wales Theater was like beautiful. That was just like a really great experience. And I think I was also like extra hyped to be on vacation. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and to be there um actually so harvard like puts uh, at american repertory theater yep. has shows there before they go to broadway sometimes oh. if the director so like a lot of shows before they go to broadway would go to harvard and yep. then i would get to see them for free um, yeah. a lot of times so um one i got to see a lot of shows i saw waitress great comet jagged little pill like a Ooh. bunch of them before they took off um but i definitely think great comet was like the like greatest and i i'm really mad that it was only on broadway for like a short time but it was like the craziest set like the whole room was a set like you felt like you were in oh you were in russia in this club in like the 1800s or 19 nobody yell at me about what time period this is sudden it's fine <laughs> but it, it's such i don't know if you're familiar with the show at all no i'm not but it sounds pretty interesting you should definitely look it up. It was like, just like such a crazy, cool experience with the whole lighting and set and everything. So that one like really stuck out to me. Yeah. Okay, I have to ask, did you see the movie version of Cats? I knew, I knew that's what you were gonna ask before you even said it. I just knew. Yes, I did. And I forgot about it until now. So thank you. Was it bad? I didn't see it, but it wasn't as bad as people said it was. Okay, so me and my friend Connor, who worked at Impro Boston um, with me, we went to um, the theater in Chestnut Hill, the real bougie one with the recliner seats. Yes. Because we were like, if we're going to watch this shit show, we better be comfortable. Because I bet you at that point, reviews had come out saying that it was bad. Yeah, we knew what we were getting into. We knew that this was going to be a disaster. So we were like, okay, let's go watch it in like the nicest, bougiest theater. So... We were like reclined in the seats or whatever, but literally we were like squeezing each other's hands like throughout the show. We, it was, well, the casting was not great. And the worst part though, like even more than the performances was the half-ass CGI. Right, because I felt like they had a lot of big names in the cast. Yeah, they did. And it seems like they all filmed at separate times. Like it seemed, didn't seem cohesive at all. Like, they, like, strung together different appearances. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the CGI, like, that really, because they're supposed to be cats, and, like, they do all the CGI for their face and whatever, but then their hands sometimes were human hands. Oh, they weren't even, like, little mitts. No, they, like, it, but sometimes they were, like, they changed, like, they, it looked like an unfinished movie. Honestly, it looked unfinished. Because at one point you could see Jason Dorillo's tattoos, like through the CGI, like just like creeping at the bottom of his hand. And then you could see someone's wedding ring. Like it was just, it was just like a mess. Like, <sighs> and like even their makeup was like fucked up. Like in one scene, you could see that their eye, like forget who it was. I, I don't know if it was like Taylor Swift or Jennifer Hudson or someone, but her eyeliner was like completely jacked. And it was like, it just seemed like it was like low budget, even though I know it wasn't. I know they spent like, so much money on this movie but it seemed like really un. it did seem unfinished and like slapped together and then 
I heard after the fact that these actors had to go through like weeks long of cat training. They I honestly, I sincerely feel bad for every member of that cast because I know they must have thought they were going to be in something like revolutionary and great and like, and I feel like the production really failed them. Well, yeah, Cats was the longest running play on Broadway, I think. For a, yeah. I think so. And Phantom of the Opera. Maybe, maybe right. it's Phantom of the Opera. But like for them to take such like a classic, well-known uh, thing. And then it was just like the CGI looked really bad. Jason Derulo was complaining that his dick wasn't in it. I was like, this is a load of crap. And now I'm like, I got to watch it. I'm going to have to watch it. You do have to watch it. I wonder if they've made it better for like the non-theater version now that it's been. They did go back and retouch it, but I heard it was still really bad. Yes, because I saw it after retouching. Yeah. I was just like a sound and I was like, oh my God, like these actors, like they're never going to want to talk about this. No. That's got to be like your low spot if you're like, yeah, I was in Cats. <laughs> and you think you're joining something good because like there's all these all-star people in it, but. Yeah, but I guess if they have enough money to throw at it, then it doesn't matter. You know, they're going to throw all these big names, but then they didn't spend the money to like make sure the shit looked good. Yeah, it did not. That's weird. <laughs> So with your theater stuff, you also, you've done like behind the scenes stuff too. Like you've like produced and done all that like stage related stuff. Have you had any like real divas that you've had to work with? Oh, of course. All the time. All the time. But even on these like community level plays? Oh, all the time. Uh, I would say the worst are children's parents. Oh my God. You basically get the dance moms. It's like the theater yeah. moms, right? I've directed children. Um, quite a few times and their yeah parents parents are horrendous um I've also worked with actors that just tried to like direct the whole show <laughs> uh-uh yeah no I 100% dealt with I don't know how you still do it and now you're like in LA dealing with these people too <laughs> yeah <laughs> thankfully like the work that I've done here so far in the the stuff that I'm involved in right now, there's no divas, so that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, did your interest in like theater and all that sort of stuff, did that, cause you also were really into like drag and stuff like that. Like you have a lot of friends who are like drag queens and you've gotten involved in a lot of shows. Did those overlap or did that come after the theater stuff? So I actually met um, Candy Dish is the drag queen that I work with yes. the most. <laughs> we're always together, always working. Even now I'm here, he's in Boston. We're still working on stuff together. But I actually met Candy doing a show. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I did a production of La Caja Fall um, in Rhode Island, which is um, the stage version of The Birdcage. Um, oh, yeah. So with drag queens. Um, so that's where I met a bunch of drag queens. Um, I was 16. Um, and became corrupted by the drag queens, and I've been working with them ever since. Yeah, I was gonna say, you have, like, a lot of really good friendships with a lot of drag queens. I feel like I've seen you post, I feel like after you graduated, you, like, did a show at Jocks or something. <laughs> yeah, so that was Boston Drag Gauntlet, um, and we had, like, graduation night, um, because three of us had graduated, uh, of Queen Violet Ultra, 
uh, and Blake, who is one of our pit crew, um, but he also does drag sometimes. Uh, but we had a like graduation for all of us. So we did like a lipstick in cap and gas. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like you've had such like a wide range of experience in theater and like with shows, it's just like, you're, you're doing it. <laughs> I try to like, I don't know. I feel like the only way you can learn and be a well-rounded performer is by involving yourself in everything. Um, and I, that's what I like to do. I like to explore all my options because I think it makes me better as a performer and as like a producer and director. Um, and like, I got into producing and directing by literally just saying, like asking. Like yeah. I was on, well, you know, I was on Dirty Water as a guest and I was like, can I help? And they were like, like, yeah. They were like, you want to be an assistant producer? I was like, okay. <laughs> that show had, yeah, that show is like a whole nother story for another day. Oh my God. Uh, Kayla, when we are wrapping up, is there anything you want to promote? Anything? And I mean, are you doing any online shows? Can we find you anywhere? Yes. So uh, I'm directing a virtual play. Um, called Threes uh, with a New York playwright. It's an all-female production team. Um, very which cool. Which is awesome. We have a really great cast, uh, a very special uh, guest from the show who we'll be announcing soon. Um, and that's going up October 24th um, at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Twitch. Um, is that live? That's like a live stream of the play? Yeah, so it's um, virtual theater. Wow. Yeah, so I'm directing that now, um, and I think it's going to be a really fun show. So that will be live on that night, but then it'll be, like, left up so people can watch it. Um, so tune into that, um, and then also, obviously, check out Lady Spike Media. Lady Spike Media. <laughs> Kaylin, this was so nice talking to you. It's been it's been nice to see your face. I feel like I haven't seen you since, like, even pre-COVID. So long. Yeah. Anyway, you guys have been listening to another episode of The Gimme. Um, if you, you found us somewhere, but if you don't know where to find us, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, we should be up on basically any streaming service at this point where you find podcasts. Please don't forget to rate and review and follow us on Instagram at The Gimme Pod. If you have any interesting stories you want to tell us, shoot us an email at thegimmepod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again next week.